0: For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn. Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group will be your guides for straight talk and honest answers about living the life you deserve in retirement. So So prepare prepare to to be be empowered. empowered. Now, here are your show me the money hosts, Randy Floyd, Jake Floyd, and Jeff Shade.
1: Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. I'll start with you, Randy. How you doing this fine morning?
2: doing very well jeff i got up i did my eight tenths of a mile swim and then i took a three mile run on the (laughs) treadmill Oh
1: gosh you are amazing you're never going to let that go are you this is just what keeps you young
2: makes me feel too good i'm just going to continue to go
1: yeah so there's a lesson everybody out there i mean randy floyd is the picture of health and you can do the same as well too okay Uh, hey jake how you doing this morning
3: well, I'm still prettier than he is, I <laughs> So I'm doing good.
1: Well, you're both handsome guys, and I'm privileged to be with you here every week on Show Me the Money. we got another great show lined up for us today, so let's dive right in, gentlemen. I understand that this past week the CPI results came out, some earnings results came out. Can you comment on those? Where were they this time?
2: Yeah, the CPI was a little hotter than they expected. In fact, they were looking for an annualized 2.9, came in closer to a 3.6. The trend line that had been, you know, down hit a flat spot and a little uptick. So, it was a matter of pretty good concern on Tuesday morning uh, after that news. We saw that markets took a little beating and a little run backwards and I think it speaks to a couple of things. Number 1, do we really have an accurate read on inflation from anywhere? Right, right. And I'm not sure that we do, to be honest. But as long as they keep, I guess, crunching the numbers the same way and the same numbers, then I guess it's relative. But the thing that I would say is the market has been running up quite a bit here of late. That was based on the fact that a lot of people had, uh, and I say people, investment companies, asset managers, had said, you know, uh, they're going to be cutting rates in March, and we're going to go ahead and price that in today, and that's why markets were running. Well, this kind of put the uh, brakes on a little bit there on Tuesday morning. You know, people are now reconsidering that hypothesis, if you will.
1: And you were talking about inflation rates there, and I understand, uh, of course, who knows if we can believe everything that we read here, but I'm seeing that it was 3.4% in December down to 2.9% in January. So it seems like we're going the right direction. Have you seen any indication that we're going in the right direction?
2: I think a lot of the people listening to me here in southwest Missouri can agree. I love a diesel vehicle, man, so I drive a diesel. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I notice when the price of diesel fuel changes. And it's gone from four bucks a gallon down to three dollars and eleven back to three twenty-five back to mm. I think it was three fifteen a gallon this morning. Well, as we think about what that does and how that affects things across the country, you know, everything in this country has to move. And right. it generally moves the vast majority of it with the use of diesel fuel, because it's gonna be in a truck or it's gonna be in a train or a plane, and JP four isn't too far off diesel fuel, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so for me. Uh, I think that's got to trickle down through the system and probably will. And so I'm, I'm optimistic in that area. You know, labor markets have tightened up a little bit. We've heard a lot of the big companies are laying people off. Maybe they're hiring down as they lay off, even in new areas. And then also we're seeing that wage upticks are starting to wane a little bit. They're not going up nearly as quick. And even those people that were changing jobs to get more pay, They were getting like 15% more pay if you look back a year ago. Now it's down to about 7%. There's a lot of things that kind of lead me to think that it's going to be softening some. But the one thing I will say, you know, I know it's just February, but it'll soon be May. And you know what that brings? More travel and higher prices.
1: Yeah, and you were talking about the uh, diesel fuel cost there in southwest Missouri. In a lot of parts of the country, still gasoline is up near $5 a gallon. So I think those people will be jealous of you right there in southwest Missouri. Now, you were talking a little bit about the interest rates, and again, we're not expecting any interest rate cuts, I understand, till, what, at least maybe April, May? Is that what they're forecasting at this point?
2: you know, like I said, originally, and I'm sure that even as we're speaking, people are still recalculating all those things and what the risks are and what what they think is going to happen. But it had kind of been priced in that we were going to see cuts starting in March. So every six Mm -hmm. weeks, the Fed, Jerome Powell and his compatriots there get around a table and talk about what they think. And you know kind of come up with what they think the the ideal rate should be and it was kind of priced in that we thought March was going to be the first rate cut you know and that would have been mid March so if you think about 6 weeks from mid March the next time they're going to look at it, it's going to be in May i'm thinking maybe may might be the first time for a rate mm-hmm. cut if inflation doesn't continue to raise its ugly head and if it does It may not be in the cards for May either.
1: Right. Well, the goal is 2 percent. As I said, they're reporting 2.9 percent. So we're getting there. And I mean, if we're heading in the right direction, certainly I would think that that affects the Fed's decision to lower those interest rates. And of course, the effects of lowering the interest rates are are many, many fold, not only on the amount of uh, interest that you will be charged on things like credit cards and so forth, the cost of borrowing, but also mortgage interest rates. Now, they'd gone down below 7 percent and then they tick back up for just a minute or so over 7%. Where are we seeing things right now?
2: Between seven three seven five and about 8% is where it's falling right now, depending on what your credit score is. So for people at credit score of 740 and above, they're going to get the lower rate. And if you're down right. below that number, typically they're going to punish you a little bit more on that rate. Talking about the interest rate and how it affects things. I mean, when the cost of money is more, it creates problems. I mean, number one, it stifles growth to a degree. And then number two, it does create some inflationary pressure because all of a sudden people say, well, you know, my mortgage is up higher and I got to make more money. And so that puts pressure to the upside on everything.
1: Yeah. And I want to talk about those mortgages in just a moment. But I had a situation yesterday where, you know, I have a number of credit cards and of course, many of them were 0% when I first got them. By the way, what is the interest rate in this card? I was told 28%. And when I (laughs) went down the list of these cards, I mean, they were all in the Mid to high 20s. I don't see any credit cards out there that you can get at like 8% anymore. Are you finding that that is the case generally across the board? And I mean, if people are continuing to charge up on their credit cards,
2: boy, that is a huge bubble that when it bursts, I don't want to be around. Right. You're right. So it's one of those things that we have seen this over the years, but the last read I had on it, when we knew we hit the trillion dollar mark of credit card debt, out there, that the rate average rate was 22.92%. What is that? That's about 229 billion dollars a year yeah, <laughs> in interest that Americans are paying. I think if you had $229 billion a year to plug back into the economy, and that's Ooh. just interest on credit cards. That's not homes. That's not cars. Yeah, and a couple of weeks ago, you know, interest
3: on the on the debt crossed a trillion dollars for the wow. first time. So I think it's
2: $1.03 trillion or something at the current pace. Oh, no doubt about it. And, of course, the answer is is to uh, tax all those that are paying taxes more? Oh yeah, no no, right. no, no, no no, no, I think I think the answer is, let's get some fiscal responsibility. There you go. in our stinking <laughs> government.
1: Well, I think fiscal responsibility for the individual, too. I'm just so surprised that, you know, when you see interest rates of 28%, I mean, it's, I don't know, math or arithmetic to figure out how much more you're going to pay for something. I mean, I just avoid buying things if so I can't pay for them completely. I want to go back to the cost of, uh, you were talking about mortgage rates, and I want to go back to the cost of owning the home. I understand that these days the cost of owning a home has gone up recently as much as 80%.
2: Are you hearing the same thing, Randy? So in the last five years, what I had heard on a report uh, off CNBC was that the cost of home ownership was up 80% in the last five years. Now, I will tell you that, you know, we live here in middle America, the last bastion of sanity, and I'm beginning to question the sanity here a little bit. But anyway, (laughs) we'll we'll go, go back to the last bastion of sanity here. The home that I live in is valued almost double what wow. I paid for it. Wow. Six years ago. Oh my gosh. Now, that is ridiculous. That's unsustainable. I don't understand it. But I'm telling you, people will come to their Waterloo here. A lot of people go, What's a Waterloo? Well, Read about Napoleon, right? So yeah, anyway, right. <laughs> but they will come to that to that point loop. soon. Here, I think. Also, you know, if we just look at the cost of buying a home on a hundred thousand dollar purchase back three years ago, you could get three percent interest. So that's mm-hmm. three thousand a year. Now, that same house, that same hundred thousand, is seven or eight thousand dollars a year to borrow. So you're talking about another two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars a month per one hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And then if you're talking about a three or a four hundred thousand dollar house, I mean, that's a wide wild swing uh, in payments, and that's all interest, not principal, interest.
1: Yeah, that is crazy. And the average price of a house, if it's between uh, three and $350,000, let's just pick that as a, for instance, figure there, you're going to have mortgage payments with the PMI and so forth. I mean, they're going to be $2,500, $2,700 $2, a month if you're putting, let's say, just 5% down. So I think that really does exclude a lot of people uh, getting into the market and buying homes. But for those of us who already have a home, like you said, the cost of that's gone up 80%, not to mention the property taxes. Those continue to go up too.
2: Yeah, as the valuation of your property goes up, so goes your property tax. Uh, Ours are up about 50% from where we started, so I don't want to be all negative here today. I just wanted to give people a quick update as to where we are, what we're watching, and what things are about. And what we're going to do is be optimistically cautious. There you go. And still help people get retired. In fact, in the next segment, we're going to talk about retirees and all the different risks that are coming up.
1: Yeah. And I want to tell people what we're going to be talking about on today's show. Of course, uh, every week we begin with current events. We've, of course, talked about the CPI here, interest rates, inflation, the cost of owning a home and so forth. Next up, we're going to be talking about many retirees don't know about a major market risk. Do you? Of course, we'll tell you more about that. Also, later on in the program, five pillars of retirement planning, how many does your plan cover? And then finally, if you want to retire in 2025, we're going to tell you what you need to know to prep now. You're listening to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd. My name is Jeff Shade. Glad you could join us again this week. And if you like what you've heard from Randy and Jake Floyd here at Floyd Financial Group, they're making sense to you. You want to sit down with Randy and Jake and talk about your individual journey towards an optimal retirement. You can do that by calling 417-889-7233. You can do it right now and request your comments complimentary retirement review, no cost, no obligation. It's a no tie zone. A chance for you to sit down with Randy and Jake, ask the questions that you need to have answers to, to put you on that path to a prosperous retirement. Once again, it's not going to cost you a dime, but this one call could make all the difference. Now you can do it right now. If you'd like, leave your information. Ashley will give you a call back on Monday. Again, that number 417-889-7233. It's 417 889 7233 No cost, no obligation, and certainly no judgment. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. When we come back, as I said, we're going to be talking about something that many retirees don't know about. It's a major market risk. All that and more when our show continues here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.
0: We're back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your hosts, Randy Floyd,
2: Jake Floyd, and Jeff Shade. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about a major market risk that most retirees haven't considered.
1: And uh, Randy, I think there are a lot of risks out there, but I think one of the major ones, and I'm reading about this as well too, and I'm glad we're talking about it, but it's a flat market. Now I've heard of an up market and a down market. What is a flat market and how does that affect us?
2: Traditionally, if you were just to think about it, when the line on the graph from left to right is going up, that's an up market. And when it's going the other way, that's a down market. And then then flat would be right in the middle, right? We want to actually look at it a little differently than that because markets generally don't just go on a flat line up or a flat line down or flat, flat. They are always changing, always cycling due to interest rates and uh, how people feel. You know, public sentiment is a huge deal as well as business owner, small business owner uh, sentiment also has a lot to do with how things play out. I guess what we want to look at is in general terms, if we have a flat market, it could be we're up 10, down 10, and zero, or up 10, down 10, up 5, down 5. We still end up at a flat spot there. And then if you're living out of your retirement, where you know, you have to have a monthly income you know, out of your retirement assets... These flat markets can really have an effect on drawing down your savings.
1: Historically speaking, I understand that flat markets, although you know they aren't terribly common, but they do happen every once in a while.
2: Well, yeah, they do. I mean, we had some of those back in the 70s. This is the big whopper of the flat markets, right, Jake? We had from 2002 through like 2012, or fully through 11, we had basically a zero total gain in the S&P 500. They call it the lost decade.
1: Yeah, I've heard about that. Now, some of the more notable flat markets, at least as far as I'm reading here, uh, over the past uh, 100 years, I mean, they were in 2000, 1966, and 1929. So I guess the question is, are we headed for a flat market again? I mean, what are the chances that we're going to experience a flat market here in the near future, do you think?
2: Well, if I knew the exact answer to that, we wouldn't be on this.
1: (laughs) That's right. If you knew the exact answer. But people always say, hey, Randy, you're a pretty smart guy. What do you think? What do you think? I mean, if it happens every 10 to 20 years, when's the last time we really had one? And are we due again, do you think?
2: Yeah. So there's a lot of things that pull on that. Number one, let's talk about for markets to grow. People have to be able to spend money. Companies have to be able to make money. People have to want to stay invested in the market. Also, when we look at interest rates, if interest rates are at five, five and a half, six percent, and people can get five, five and a half, and six percent on safe money, there'll be many people that won't take any risk in the market. And if there's no new money coming into the market, guess what happens to the market? It goes sideways, right. or it can go down depending on if people are pulling out and trying to get to those fixed interest rates that they consider safe. So right now, I would say that you know our current situation is such that we have pretty good fixed interest rates. The market looked pretty good there for a while, and now inflation is trying to raise its ugly head again. And my hope is that this is only a spike, and this is not a trend again. And of course, we've talked about this over the last two and a half years. Is there a recession down the road on this? I don't think so at this point, but there could be if we had a crystal ball, which I know I do. You sent me one one time. It it, it doesn't work. It's effective, but (laughs) But it looks nice on the shelf. It does. So are we going to have one? It's hard to say right now. I say I say this, though, as long as interest rates are five and a half and there's some places you can get six percent now for retirees based on where we've been there's a whole lot of people that say, "Yeah, give me all that I can get." But then the other side of that is the market historically, if we look probably over the last 20 years, the probably the average market return is somewhere around 8%. Now, this is where it kind of gets dicey, and we're going to talk about this next. If you have a 30% loss and a 50% gain, you still only have a 10% positive. If you're pulling 5% out of your retirement account, you probably didn't get all the uh, 10% positive either. We know you didn't. You probably didn't get your 5% positive because you pulled out 5 The thing that we need to understand is when markets are down from where you started and you're living your life, having your retirement income, and markets take a substantial downturn, Recovery can be hard. It's why we have to make sure that we account for these down markets that we know are going to come along, and we don't want to take and put ourselves in a position where when those losses do come, we are not able to recover and get our base amount of money back.
1: We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group, and we're talking about a major risk that a lot of people don't consider, and that is a flat market. You know, as we talk about this, Randy and Jake, it reminds me of that sequence of return risk where the market is down, it goes up, and Mr. Brown and Mr. Green. Would this flat market apply to either of those people, and would that have been an equation in the final result of Mr. Brown not having any money?
2: Oh, sure thing. You know, if we look back over our shoulder, there's zero sum gains for the year. And always, here's the thing, too. Where I start measuring from matters so much as to what my return is, right? Right. And so if we look back historically from the beginning of when we started tracking the market, that's one thing. Let's say we looked at our return since October of 2023. Man, we are happy campers. We're stellar, right? Right. But if you look at our return from December of 2021 to today, eh, we're up a few percent. In essence, what became a flat market, not that it was flat. It was one of those where 2022, we went down 19.44%. And then through 2023, we came up around 20%. So we ended up maybe positive one around the first part of the year. Might have been as high as positive two or three by the beginning of 2024. But here's the thing. I mean, that all that in the middle, if you're retired and you're living out of your money, that negative 20 in 2022 became a negative 25 or maybe six. And then when markets rally back and get even, guess who's not even? You.
1: Yeah, right. So, <laughs>
2: so those are the things we have to think about. What happens when we have these drastic downturns? How do we build portfolios? So That's the thing we focus on here that allow us to live, keep living, enjoy retirement, not look back over our shoulder all the time, not be constantly worried where our next paycheck is coming from, get the lion's share of the gains when it's working, mitigate that downside when things are not working as well.
1: Okay, so flat market cycles, they can really wreak havoc on your retirement planning. That's the problem. What is the solution to this? You talked about building portfolios. How do you build a portfolio that will hedge against a flat market?
2: Yeah, so you know, it goes back to this. If I have a 20-year-old come in here and says, Randy, I'm maxing out my 401k every year. I'm 20. I don't want to retire until I'm 65. I'm going to tell him, don't worry about the ups and downs of the market. Put your money out there. Keep investing. When markets are down, you're buying at a lower cost. When things are up, that's great. You're making money on what you bought at lower cost, but just keep investing and keep going because we have time on our side. If you're in retirement, we have to look at building portfolios differently. And what I mean by that is we've got to look at what are some stabilizing factors? What are some things we can put into place that will help us to stabilize the markets? And of course, we're going to talk about some basics, and then we're going to talk about the market cycles themselves. So if I'm in an all-time or a historically high interest rate environment, That's one thing. I can make some good money on fixed accounts, don't have to take the risk. So that's kind of where we are now. Market side of things, hey, is the market going to rally? Is it going to go higher? We know this based on the money supply. The market tends to go higher, and we put in $6.5 trillion into the system, which is most of it still hanging around out there because they were supposed to pull that off the balance sheet. But if you look back over our shoulder, they pulled about maybe a trillion maybe not quite a trillion off of it and now it's starting to tick back up there's more money going into the system so as we look back at historically markets go up as money supplies go up inflation also is affected by money supply we know that and productivity you know, now I'm at a point, Jeff, where I don't even know what question I was going to answer for you, except for the fact. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> answer whichever one you want, Randy. <laughs> except for the fact that when we build these portfolios, we're always looking at all the different asset classes. It's not just one. And how can we build a hedge against loss while maintaining an upside potential. So sometimes we do that with bonds. Sometimes we do some of that with stocks. Sometimes we do some of that with annuity contracts, the right annuity contracts. There's many of those that you don't want to get involved in. And there's a lot of those that are just not good, but we don't really see any asset class as bad. We just see them as opportunity when the time is right to use them appropriately. If we look back over our shoulder, when interest rates were a half and 1%, so I got a million bucks on deposit at the bank and I'm making 5000 a year, retirees couldn't live on that. So that pushed money to the market. Now that rates are higher, only as Jerome Powell starts to push this down some do I think we still have a... We got a lot of money out there, which is going to produce a lot of growth, but probably not until he starts to lower interest rates. Do we have some upside potential? Yeah, I think we do. I don't know that it's that great, though, until we see those rates start to come down.
1: We talk about a lot of things on the radio program, Randy and Jake, that, of course, people want to be aware of. And I don't want to scare people about this, but I think the takeaway, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that, yeah, we could have a flat market. We could have a down market. But if we prepare for these bumps in the road, these flat markets in these down markets may not be as devastating. Would that be about right?
2: That's right. Could you imagine driving Your car without shock absorbers? I have done it before when I was a kid. My shock absorbers (laughs) were shot. So, pretty rough ride, right? Pretty rough ride. And that's exactly what we're talking about. We need to build some shock absorbers into these portfolios so that we don't get out of control. Because, you know, I'll tell you this much. If you've ever driven a car with a bad suspension, oh, they yeah. can be very hard to control. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. I remember years ago buying a... I, I was a kid, but I bought a car and, you know, they, they had struts on it. And I remember that car bounced so much, I could hardly keep it on the road. So it's the same way, I guess, with your retirement portfolio. You want to keep it on the road. There are some fixes to that that can help you prevent having a really rough ride in your journey towards retirement. Nobody, I think, really knows the future of the market. We could be in a flat market right now. But Creating retirement income plans based on averages when all your assets are at risk in equities may not be in your best interest. So if you are concerned about a flat market, you don't know whether or not we're in one right now, you don't want to suffer the devastating effects of that, I would encourage you to call Randy and Jake there at Floyd Financial Group and talk about your plan to see whether or not it is hedged against a flat market or a down market. This is our no cost, no obligation, and no judgment retirement review. To get yours, call 417 889 that number again, 417-889-7233. I know it's the weekend. You're listening to the program now. Pick up the phone while you're thinking about it. Leave your name and your telephone number. Ashley will give you a call back on Monday. Take some very basic information and set you up with an appointment to talk with Randy and Jake there at Floyd Financial Group. Once again, it's not going to cost you a dime, but this one call could really make all the difference. Once again, four one seven eight eight nine seventy two thirty-three. You can also request your plan online at Floyd Financial Group. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. When we come back, we'll be talking about the five pillars of retirement planning. How many does your plan cover? All that and more when our show continues here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield
0: comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more
2: Show Me the Money with your financial sherpas, Randy and Jake Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the five pillars of retirement planning.
1: And you know, planning for retirement can sometimes I think it really feels sort of like solving a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle with too many pieces. However, if you break it down into manageable components, the picture becomes clear. I would start with the edges there and do the frame and then work on the inside. So let's talk about this five pillars of retirement planning and how many does your plan cover for our listeners that are listening to us. Uh, let's start off with the big one here. Let's get the worst one out of the way. And that is tax planning. That is an area that I think a lot of people neglect. Oh yeah, I got to pay taxes. There's uh, sort of, a toll booth there between you and your retirement.
3: That is a fact, Jeff. There's a direct correlation to how much one pays in taxes to how much one hates taxes. And, (laughs) uh, you know, speaking from experience, having had to write some fairly big tax checks, I think... um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about where some of that money goes, some of the ridiculous things our government spends money on.
1: Let's refresh one, Jake, for those people who didn't hear the program. This one really strikes me, and I really read further into this because you came up with it, and it was about the leaf blowers. Remember that one where they were studying how the lizards could hold onto trees if you put a leaf blower on them? And they were studying how the lizards would fare in different tornadoes or hurricanes or whatever, not tornadoes, but it's, it's hurricanes. stuff, really. It, really is riveting stuff, but I'm wondering to myself, we spent, I mean, like 50 grand on this to see how lizards would fare in a hurricane. And this is what we're spending our money on in this country.
3: The last time I went to Home Depot, I mean, I think you can get a leaf blower for a couple hundred bucks. I don't see why that has to cost 50 grand. (laughs) But I think the one that really burned me though, and I'm sure there'll be some people that remember this, that we spent, trying to remember the exact number, so don't quote me on this, but it was something like 140 or 160 million dollars for government employees to upgrade to business. Yeah, costs. I remember if that. that one. If that doesn't make your blood boil, you, you must not have any in there. <laughs> this is incredible. I have
1: a lot of subscriptions to uh, services, you know, that we may have subscribed to, to watch one show, but I'm just a simple person to go down and to take a look at those things and go, yeah, I'm not going to use this again. This is wasteful. Why can't the United States government do the same thing?
3: It doesn't seem that hard, does it, Jeff?
1: On the surface, it does not. So why is it so hard, do you think?
3: You know, if I had a good answer for that, I would let you know. (laughs) But I'm still kind of wondering, obviously, a combination of people and what they want to spend money on, what both sides want to spend money on. But, you know, ultimately, there's no way to tax our way out of this problem. We have to reduce spending.
1: Right, right you know you were talking about the leaf blower a couple hundred bucks i will say this i went to an estate sale i got mine for 45 bucks and it works just Boom. fine so yeah let hey come on united states government go to an estate sale but still i mean why do we need to know how lizards can fare in a hurricane i will not know but nevertheless they're going to keep spending this money jake and tax planning very very important that is pillar number 1 how do you help people plan for taxes
3: you know, I think the primary way that we're going to be looking at tax planning is what tax bracket are you paying taxes in right now? How much is it costing you right now versus what will your tax bracket be when you get to retirement? I think for most people, that's the one that applies the most. If you're making 100000 and your spouse is making 50000 now, when you retire, you may not need all that income, but it's also very likely that you will shift from the 22% tax bracket at the highest level back to 12% uh, as you go into retirement for a lot of different reasons. Depending on what that looks like for you, there's a lot of different things we can do tax-wise, planning-wise. You know, another one would be, even though this doesn't seem like tax planning, making sure we understand what our income is going to be for either the exchange or for Medicare purposes to make sure we're not going to be paying a quote-unquote tax of extra for getting those benefits. And so right. that's another big one.
1: So tax planning, of course, very, very important. And I know that you there at Floyd Financial Group probably place that maybe towards the top of the list there. You were talking about income planning a little bit. So let's talk about that. That is uh, step number two. How do you go about income planning?
2: Yeah, so the income planning is a very important piece, and like you just alluded to, Jeff, the tax planning also comes in there along with income planning. So, you know, the thing we know when we retire, we have a baseline, and this is something we we always ask people for when they come in here, what's your budget? And most people today that we see, because their kids are grown, a lot of them have their house paid off, they haven't looked at a budget in A decade or maybe more. Hmm. They don't know what it costs them to live. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just how it's just a function of life because as we raised our kids and we put them to college and we bought them cars and we did all the things that we do for our kids. And now you're an empty nester. The expenses have gone down and maybe your income stayed the same or even gone up later in life. So you haven't really looked at it in a while. We're not trying to put people on a budget as much as we want you to know what it costs so that we can go about doing our income planning that's going to make sense for you, right? And then along with that, we're going to look at the income tax planning as well. So depending on what kind of a portfolio you have, if you're like most people today, most of your money is in an IRA or a 401k or a 403B or a 457, which means that most of it's pre-tax. So if that's the case, that changes how we plan versus, let's say you have a considerable amount of money that's been in CDs, or maybe it's been in municipal bonds, or maybe it's in a brokerage account. So sometimes we do tax loss harvesting that may be out there that's carrying forward to offset some real income. We need to buy a new car, to buy a lake home, or to buy a boat, or whatever those things are that you want in retirement. But there's a lot of facets to it. You know, We can look at, when do we take income to buy this car? Do we take it spread over two years to keep us in that 12% tax bracket? Do we take it over three years to keep us in the 12% tax bracket? Uh, also, uh, people say, well, I don't want to pay interest on on my car loan. Well, here's the thing. We've got 0% car loans out there right now in a right. 7% interest world. If you can borrow money at 1%, 2 or 3%, and you can keep it in the bank at 5 net is still good, right? Yeah. (laughs) So there's just a lot of ways to look. In fact, the whole financial system, the banking system operates their margin on 2%. That's what they look at, you know, for home loans and that sort of thing. They want a 2% margin. So a lot of things go into income planning the one thing we want to look at is we want to make sure we build something sustainable. And so we're going to look at everything from bonds to annuities to municipal bonds. Some people like real estate, some people like Mm -hmm. rental properties, all those things are going to factor into income planning. And the big thing is, is we want to make sure that it's going to be steady, that we can help keep pace with inflation, and that you're not worried about where your next paycheck is coming from. Because I don't know about you, Jeff, but at my house, the bills oh, still yeah. come once every 30 days.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're on time, no matter what. I mean, rain, sleet, hail, snow, those bills will be in your mailbox. Income planning is so important, and I think a lot of people do not realize how much they spend. And you've really got to do that budget, as you said, to figure out how much it costs to be you, because who you are is a little bit different in retirement. You're not going to work every day. And some people may think, well, I'm going to live on 70, 80% of what I used to live on. But you'd be surprised. Many times you know, when you Factor in the things that you've wanted to do, travel to see the kids and so forth, and just things here and there that crop up. It costs a hundred percent of uh, what it cost you when you were going to work to be retired. We're talking about the five pillars of income planning with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. We have talked about taxes. Also, we've talked about income planning, cash flow. Let's talk about healthcare planning. That's another big one.
2: Yeah, healthcare planning is a big one, and uh, we talk about it here every day. In fact, I'll I'll tell you a quick little story. Uh, one of our family members. Woke up dizzy, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't walk, actually fell down, had to call the ambulance. Ambulance came and got him, took him to the hospital. He was severely dehydrated, uh, spent three or four days in the hospital, went to rehab, uh, got re-dehydrated, had to have an IV. He's on the the rehab wing. Now he's back home. We're trying to see if we can keep him home because if we can't keep him at home, he's going to have to be in a nursing home. And where this particular person lives, it's $9,000 a month. Wow to be in a nursing home, 4,500 to 5,000 a month to be in assisted living. And if you're going to be at home, it's $30 an hour average for somebody, Mm -hmm. not a really a medical professional, just somebody to come in and help you with activities of daily living, 30 bucks an hour. Everybody listening today, you're going to get a chuckle out of this one. We have found out, since this person lives in Florida, that if you're going to have a problem like this, you're going to need to pull up stakes and move to Florida. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sure the people of Florida are happy to hear that. Come on down. because, Because we found out that the state of Florida will pay, through the Medicaid system, 40 hours of care per week. Hmm for a person to stay home. Didn't know that. And your spouse can also be paid to take care of you if they will take training. Long story short, lots of expense in health care, whether it be rehab, if you had some type of rare disease, a cancer that maybe is something where you need to go to MD Anderson or you need to go to some specialized place that may not be covered by your plan, and then ultimately long-term care where you get to where you can't perform activities of daily living, which may be Bathing, dressing, toileting, feeding yourself, transferring in and out of a chair and out of bed, and then cognitive impairment alone can trigger the need for long-term care. So it's definitely something that people need to look at. It's not something to be scared about as much as it's something that you need to see where you are. You need to assess how you would go about paying for care if and when you need to and then also we need to consider hey are you a veteran because there's potentially some benefits for veterans out there and their spouses that that other people don't get but there's just a lot of things to consider there and just know this i mean it may cost you two three hundred thousand i think the government talks about that the health care expense after age 65 for most couples is somewhere around three to four hundred thousand dollars so That's a big number. Now, how much of that's long-term care? I couldn't tell you exactly, but it's not going to be that whole amount, but it's still a significant bill that people need to consider.
1: And I think that many of our listeners may misunderstand that Medicare is going to take care of that, but Medicare only pays for things that you're going to get better from, rehabilitative care. And what is it up to, like 100 days, something like that, Randy?
2: Well, if you have exactly the right plan, it's 100 days, but this particular person we were talking about, it was 20 days of rehab. Hmm. And so at the end of 20 days, Here's the choice. At the end of twenty days, you either go long-term care because you're not going to get better, and you got to go to the nursing home, or you get better and you go home. That's the two things that there are. Yeah, you just you just never know. I mean, it's just really, really something that people need to be concerned about and make sure you've looked at all your options and have made a sound decision.
1: And we're up to our final pillar of retirement planning, Randy,
2: and that is going to be estate planning. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. So it's often been said that if you don't have an estate plan, it's like filing a lawsuit against your kids. Now, most of us don't want to do that. But by not addressing this, that's what you're doing. And now this is going to blow your mind, blows my mind. As much as 70 percent, of people between 54 and 65 do not have an estate plan. Wow. That's Kaboom. a big percentage. That's a big number. And if you're a probate attorney, I apologize. That's how the probate attorneys stay in business. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. because, uh, you know, probate is a real thing. And in the state of Missouri, it's about an eight month ordeal. If you don't plan for it. Now let's talk about estate planning. It does not always mean that you need a trust. However, many times it does mean that you need a trust, especially in today's world where we have a lot of blended families. If you have a second marriage and you have your kids and their kids and our kids, Mm -hmm. you definitely need a trust and you need, and and I want to be kind here, you need somebody that has actually... Rather than somebody just sets up the trust and sends you down the road, you need somebody that set up a trust and has settled and helped families settle many trusts because they're going to know the caveats and the problems that you can have with any estate plan that are sometimes unforeseeable because we have wonderful kids, we have middle-of-the-road kids, (laughs) and we have horrible kids. I know, I'm (laughs) I'm the wonderful one. (laughs) Kids are wonderful, <laughs> I can tell you that. And your and, grandchildren uh, and not, are wonderful too. And I'm not talking specifically about anybody's kids. I'm just telling you. Sure, I understand. And and most people know this. When people die and money becomes involved it changes, folks.
1: That's exactly right. We're talking about the uh, main pillars of retirement planning with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. How many does your plan cover? We've talked about taxes. We've talked about income planning, health care planning, and we've talked about estate planning. And each of these pillars, I think, plays a vital role in building a comprehensive retirement plan because they're all so interconnected, meaning that a decision in one area can impact the others. So if you're unsure whether or not your retirement plan is covering all of these pillars, I want you to call Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group and sit down with them, ask your questions to put you on a path towards a confident retirement. That telephone number, 417-889-7233. Now remember, no cost for this. There's no obligation. It's totally complimentary and it is a no-tie zone. It's just a casual conversation, as I said, to get your questions answered. That telephone number to call, you can do it this weekend, 417-889-7233. Call today and reserve your spot. 417- 889 You can also request your plan online. Find out more about the firm at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. When we come back, we'll be talking about retiring in 2025, some of the things that you may need to know. All that and more when our show continues here on 104.1 FM KSGF,
0: where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepared to be shown the money. Because we're back with more straight talk and honest answers with Randy Floyd, Jake Floyd,
2: and Jeff Shea. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about if you want to retire in 25 These are some preparatory things you should do now.
1: And Randy, I was thinking if you are going to retire in 25, I mean, we're talking about it a year ahead of time here. You should have started maybe, what, five years or so ago? I mean, is it impossible to retire in 25?
2: Well, it's certainly not impossible. You know, generally speaking, though, we do like to have time to be methodical about these things. But hopefully you've done some homework along the way over the last 25, 30, 35 or 40 years of working.
3: I do also want to jump in here and say that the vast majority of the people that come to see us are within a year of retirement. So I don't want you to feel like if you have not Planned more than five years in advance that you shouldn't come see us because that's definitely not the case. There's a lot of people that have done kind of their own planning and they've been saving and they're within you know three or four months and they're saying, hey, I want to make sure I dot the I's and cross the T's and that's just fine as well. But in an ideal world, it's good to have a little bit more prep time.
1: Yeah, so I think that uh, most people think about retirement and they don't really think about it one year in advance. I started thinking about retirement, I think about a year after I started working when I was around 20, something like that. So I've been planning- Yeah. I go, wow, I'm sick and tired. I'm 19 years old. I'm, you know, this uh, job thing's cutting into my television time.
2: How can I retire?
1: But anyway, uh, all kidding aside, if you have not thought about retirement until now, it is not too late. I would think that the first thing you want to do is to take a look at what you've got. Take a look at your assets and consider whether or not your portfolio is really retirement ready. So if I look at those sort of things, what is the first thing that I want to look at? I mean, what are all the things I want to look at, but what's the first?
2: The first thing I want to say is, you know, we're pretty methodical about how we do this. We're not in a hurry. We want to take our time. We want to learn about you as a person, you as a couple, you as a family, figure out what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, yes, we know you're trying to get out of work and and stop working, but I mean, there's more than that to retirement than just, I'm, I'm done working now. We want to make sure that you can live the life you want to in retirement. We want to make sure that you do the estate plan that we talked about earlier. We want to make sure that Your spouse, should something happen to either of you that they're going to be able to continue on with or without you from a financial perspective. So many, many different things that have to be factored in about retiring, whether it's a year from now or even five years from now. As we go through this process, and we've talked about our five steps, you know, where we basically have discovery and we have planning. It's a multifaceted thing for us to sit down and do a retirement plan. And the reason we like to do it this way, number one, we make sure we haven't missed anything. And number two, the person that's sitting down with us can then say, yes, we went through this very methodically. We've considered all these different things. Wow, I feel good about this. Let's retire. So
1: I think the first thing is to consider whether or not your retirement portfolio is ready, as I said. And I think that really is taking stock of what you have, what your assets are, and then projecting how your income inflows are going to match the outflows. So that would be cash flow. And if you don't have enough save for retirement, if you're dead set on retiring in 2025, then you may have to reduce what your outflow is going to be. The next one is to calculate how much you should withdraw in retirement on a monthly basis. And many times it's not an even fee. Figure, is it?
2: No, it's really not. In fact, I'll tell you that the thing that comes up is sometimes people retire and they really want to spend more money early on while they're younger and healthier and doing better than maybe they want to spend later in life. Now, if you go out and you look at your 401k plan from work or you look online and ask the powers that be, I would call them, or the advisors online from whatever XYZ company, the general rule is to withdraw 4% of your portfolio amount, 4%. So if you had a million dollars, you could withdraw 40000 a year and then you can adjust it for inflation from there looking forward. So let's say that we start at $40,000 and inflation is 3%. That means that next year we're going to draw 41200 and then the following year, 3% on top of that. And that's what people say is a safe amount. Now, for some people, they're going to say, whoa, that ain't nearly enough. Again, all we're doing is we're talking about your retirement savings, 401ks, IRAs, savings, that sort of thing, not pension plans and not Social Security factored in there. We're going to have to add any of those sorts of things onto that if you have those uh, available to you. We know this too, by properly planning and setting up a portfolio, the way we like to do it for most retirees is we know we can actually withdraw more than that 4%. It also may be such a thing as you want to withdraw maybe a 5 or a 6 or a 7% withdrawal in the first two or three years of retirement because you want to do some traveling, you want to go out west and spend some time, or uh, maybe you want to go east and spend time, right? Not just west, but right, sure. uh, a lot of things you may want to do that cost more. And so as we start to build these retirement plans and kind of look at what our average return and yield is going to be, and knowing that we've got some safety nets in place along with some things that are going to grow our assets when assets are in growth mode. Once we factored all that stuff in, uh, we can also put it in a spreadsheet and say, okay, let's go a little heavier now. Let's back off a little later. And we can kind of show you what happens to your nest egg as we pull those different amounts in and out. And then we also have, you know, we don't just set up the plan and then set it and forget it. We're going to review. And you know, if we have a really strong growth cycle, which we're going to have here, I don't know what it's going to be exactly, but we're going to have a really strong growth cycle in the market. There may be some extra money out there for you to buy that car that you want to get That motorcycle that you didn't have, or maybe to buy that boat that you want, or maybe to take a European vacation or something, Mm -hmm. you know, along with Chevy Chase or something like that.
1: (laughs) Calculating how much you need to withdraw in retirement. I like to think of it in in three time frames. I mean, we've got our go go years in the beginning, like you mentioned. Let's say that you retire at 65. You're healthy enough, hopefully, to go and do the things that you want. And then you've got your slow go years where you're still going to do some things, but not as much. And then you're going to have your no go years. And as you said, Maybe you want a little more money up front. You want maybe a little less in the middle, and then you might have to pad for those health care expenses. If you don't have enough money, consider this nice to get out of the rat race. But sometimes you have to learn to get along with just a little less cheese. That is something that the folks there at Floyd Financial Group can help you with. And the next one is determining what your retirement portfolio should look like. And that would be asset allocation, what it's made up of.
2: Yeah, that's very important. So a couple of things I would say along that line, just to kind of give people a, a practical illustration. For many, many, many years, the old retirees portfolio was 60% equities or stock, mm-hmm. 40% bonds. Well, when interest rates got so low on bonds, it almost made no sense to have a 60-40 portfolio. But really what happened when interest rates started to really ratchet up, when Jerome Powell started in March of 2022 to take interest rates up, if you had low interest bonds, you got decimated. Your bonds got made, you know, worth half what they were worth at one time. The reason I bring this up is a portfolio that's retirement ready today may not be retirement ready in six months or a year. It's something that we have to look at all the time, and we're always tweaking and changing how these things work. So yes, it's it's important to understand what your risk tolerance is, Meaning, how much of a white knuckle roller coaster ride are you willing to take? And you may say none, and that's okay if that's the case. Or you may be saying, hey, I'm ready to swing for the fences. Uh, Babe Ruth was my guy, you know. (laughs) So everybody's a little different in that area. But just because it's ready today doesn't mean that it's going to be ready tomorrow. And that's where we come in. We're always watching what's happening, looking at the cause and potential effect with many many years of experience now i mean we can kind of tell what's next the hard part is determining the exact timing of what's next this thing once you set it up it's just not set it and forget it it's something we need to review and stay on top of all the time
1: we're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about some of the things that you need to know if you're planning on retiring in 2025. And in the interest of time, I'm going to kind of skip over taxes. I mean, we know that you're going to need to pay taxes in retirement. That is something else that you need to plan for. And of course, health care very, very important. But let's talk about something that I think a lot of people neglect to think about when planning for retirement, and that is going to be the effects of inflation. I mean, right now, they're reporting 2.9 percent, but I mean, in the recent in past, it's been as much as 12, 13 percent.
2: Well, we know historically, if we look back over our shoulder, you know, inflation probably has been in the three percent range, even with the 70s being high like they were early on through there and then the 80s overall, probably about three percent. Think of it this way. If uh, inflation compounds at three percent actually every year, that means that every uh, 24 years we need twice as much money. Okay, so how long is an average retirement? Probably about 24 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we know that what we start out with is probably going to be less than we're going to need in the future. And, of course, we talked about the go-go years, the middle years, and then finally the ones where we're uh, trying to transfer from the bed to the chair. Right. <laughs> so, and, and hopefully we can still do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> probably we'll need less money then than we do now. And here's the thing I will say for people listening to the show. You know, I'm of the age where I can get away with saying those things now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That used to, I would not have been able to. Sure. And just know that anytime we build a portfolio, we know that there's going to be inflation in the future. We don't know what it's going to be. But again, I mean, if it's 3%, the rule of 72 says every 24 years it takes twice as much money. So we need to have money in the market. We need to have money that's safe to help guard against those big downturns. And you need somebody like Jake to help you be sure. And keep yourself in a position where you can keep up with inflation or outpace it. And how do we do that? I mean, the market is the best thing. And of late, real estate, right, has been uh, the best thing to keep pace with inflation. The challenge with real estate for retirees is real estate takes time to give you good return. And retirees don't generally have that. We're trying to live up what we worked a lifetime for.
1: We're talking with Randy and Jacob Lloyd Financial Group. If you're planning to retire in 2025, the things we've talked about is, number one, you've got to ascertain whether or not you have enough to retire. Number two, calculate your withdrawal rate for retirement that could last up to 30 years. Also, the makeup of your portfolio, figure in taxes, figure in healthcare costs, and finally, the cost of inflation. As years go by, I mean, things are going to get more and more expensive. If you are not sure about whether or not you are prepared for retirement, in 2025 or beyond, again, sit down with Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group. Ask the questions that can put you on that path to a successful retirement. You can do that by calling 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. Ask for your complimentary no-cost and no-obligation Floyd Financial Group Retirement Review. That's right. It's not going to cost you a dime if you're not prepared for a retirement in 2025. When would you like to know about that? Would you like to know about it in 2025? 25 when you're retired, and you go, hey, wait a minute, I didn't set myself up properly. Or would you like to know about it today when you have the opportunity to do something about it? I think I know the answer to that. So call today, 417-889-7233 to get your complimentary review, 417 or you can request it online at foightfinancialgroup.com. Well, Randy and Jake, we've had a great conversation today. And if our listeners have joined us late, remember, we're also a podcast. Go to wherever you get your podcast, You'll find this show and all of our past shows so that we can stay on top of our journey towards a successful retirement for randy and jake i'm jeff shade have a great weekend we'll talk again next week with another edition of show me
0: the money right here on 104.1 fm ksgf where springfield comes to talk The information provided in the preceding program is for educational purposes only and are not intended as investment advice for any individual or entity. All information contained herein believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representations as to its completeness or accuracy. The opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not constitute financial, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your financial professional before executing any financial strategy. Financial planning offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC, an investment advisor registered in the state of Missouri.